Uh, we've already discussed the frontal nerve in a bit more detail, but this is just a summary version. The frontal nerve leaves the parotid inferior to the zygomatic arch and passes out within the parotid mesenteric fascia. It passes superficial to the middle third of the zygomatic arch between the superficial temporal fascia and the deep temporal fascia. In a facelift, how is the frontal branch protected? Dissection is on the deep temporal fascia and therefore is deep to the nerve. How is the mandibular branch at risk? The mandibular branch runs between the platysma auricular fascia posteriorly and the mandibular ligament anteriorly. Classically, it should be one to two centimeters inferior to the mandible, but this can increase as the face undergoes ptosis. How is the mandibular branch protected in facelifts? The mandibular branch is protected by dissection being superficial to platysma. Describe the anatomy of the deep temporal fascia. The deep temporal fascia is in the lateral part of the face, the fascia itself is continuous with the periosteum. About two centimeters above the zygoma, it divides into the superficial and deep fascia, enclosing the superficial temporal fat pad. A facelift only addresses the lower two thirds of the face and the upper neck. What are the names of the contiguous musculoapneurotic layer from the scalp to the neck. Starting at the scalp, the there is the glia which then becomes the frontalis muscle, which is continuous with the superficial temporal fascia or the prior to temporal fascia, orbicularis oculi muscle and fascia, SMAS, and then finally it ends up in platysma in the neck. What is significant about the muscle attachments within the musculoapneurotic layer? The muscles within the musculoapneurotic layer do not directly connect to the skeletal bone. Frontalis is attached to the deep glia. 
Apicularis ocula is attached by the orbital retaining ligament at the orbital margin, and platysma is attached at the upper border by the mesenteric ligament. Describe the anatomy of the temporal or frontal branch of the facial nerve. What we'll do is we'll discuss it on its course and the surrounding anatomy around it. So the frontal branch comes out of the superior part of the parotid. And so at the level of the zygomatic arch, the anatomy is skin, subcutaneous fat, smaz, the parotid mesenteric fascia with the facial nerve within it, and then the zygomatic periosteum below that. Then as it continues on its course, Around the temple, it is the anatomy goes skin, subcutaneous fat, superficial temporal fascia, the parotid temporal fascia, which has the facial nerve in, then the superficial lamina of the deep temporal fascia, the superficial temporal fat pad, the deep lamina of the deep parietal temporal fascia, and temporalis. And then in the superior temple, the anatomy goes skin, subcutaneous fat, superficial temporal fascia with the nerve within it, then the upper temporal space with layered fascia, the deep temporal fascia, temporalis and bone. So just to call out where the nerve is, so as it exits the parotid, it is sitting within the parotid mesenteric fascia. Then at the level of the temple, it is sitting within the parotid temporal fascia, which is below the superficial temporal fascia, but above the superficial lamina of the deep fascia. And then superiorly, it is within the superficial temporal fascia. What is found within the loose areolar layer of the face? The loose areolar layer of the face contains the facial nerve, retaining ligaments and spaces. What are the two types of retaining ligaments? The two types of retaining ligaments within the face are true retaining ligaments, which join dermis to bone, and false retaining ligaments, which join dermis to the underlying fascia. Describe the three true facial retaining ligaments. The three true retaining ligaments are the zygomatic retaining ligament, which goes from the zygoma, the 
orbicularis retaining ligament, which goes from the orbital margin, and the mandibular ligament, which goes from the parasymphial symphysal region of the mandible. What are the two false retaining ligaments of the face? The two false retaining ligaments are the platysma auricular fascia, which is a wide attachment anterior to the ear and consists of the fused layers of SMAS, parotid masenteric fascia and the parotid capsule. And it includes the platysma auricular ligament and Law's fascia. Also, the other false retaining ligament is the masenteric ligament, which runs from the anterior masseter. What are the three spaces in the face? Three spaces in the face are the prezygomatic space, the premasseter space and the masticator space. These are all spaces that are devoid of any attachments between the bone and the soft tissue. What are the boundaries of the prezygomatic space? The prezygomatic space is bound by the orbicularis retaining ligament superiorly and the zygomatic ligament inferiorly. The laxity leads to the bulge and malar mounds. What are the boundaries of the premasseter space? The premasseter space has the platysma auricular fascia posteriorly and the mesenteric ligament anteriorly. The roof of it is platysma. Degeneration of platysma leads to jowls and labiomandibular fold. What are the boundaries of the masticator space? The masticator space is medial to masseter and contains the buccal fat pad. Degeneration of the mesenteric ligaments and platysma lead to deepening of the labomandibular folds. Where are the facial nerve branches most at risk in facelifts?
The fascia nerve is most at rest as it leaves the protective cover of the masseter fascia to supply the muscles. This is a vertical line of retaining ligaments from the zygomatic to the mesenteric to the mandibular. Which facial nerve branches are most at risk in a facelift? The frontal and mandibular branches. Describe the course of the frontal branch. Hi, this next section is looking at facelifts. So let's start. Question one, which part of the face is addressed by a facelift? The middle temporal artery is a branch of the superficial temporal artery and supplies a deep fascia and associated fat pad. Therefore, injury of the middle temporal artery will lead to fat atrophy and hollowing. Which nerves are at risk in a brow lift? The supraorbital and supratrochlear nerves. Which nerve is at risk when the superficial temporal artery is ligated? The auriculotemporal nerve. What is the origin of the great auricular nerve? The great auricular nerve comes from C2 and C3. Where is the great auricular nerve at risk of injury during a facelift? The great auricular nerve is at risk just inferior to the pinna. The cytosis are crow's feet transverse forehead creases because of compensatory frontalis contraction, glabellar frown lines and lateral orbital hooding. Which measurements may be useful when assessing the brow? When assessing the brow, it's important to measure the distance between the mid pupil and the brow but also the brow and the hairline. What causes eyelid festoons? Eyelid festoons are caused by redundant orbicularis muscle. What causes palpable bags? Apple bags are due to postseptal fat bulging. What are the signs of mid-face ptosis?
the signs of mid-face ptosis are elongation of the lower eyelid, scleral show, a mid-cheek groove, a nasal juggle groove, which is a tear trough junction between the orbital and palpable parts of orbicularis. Um, other signs include the malar mound. And that's it. What are the six signs of aging in the lower face? The six signs of aging in lower face are deepening of the nasolabial fold, marionette lines, perioral wrinkling, jowls, mandibular projection or dental occlusion, and downturning of the oral commissures. What are the four signs of aging in the neck? Four signs of aging neck are loss of the mandibular border, definition, blunted cervical mental angle, excess fat deposition, and platysmal bands. What is the normal cervical mental angle? One hundred and five to one hundred and twenty degrees. In summary, there are eighteen signs of facial aging. What are they? Okay, we're going to rattle through these. Forehead and glabella creases. Nasal juggle groove. Perioral wrinkles. Lateral brow ptosis. Palpable malar groove. Downturned commissures, eyelid dermatoclasis, malar bags, labiomental creases, orbital hollering, mid-cheek groove, jowls, lowered lid laxity, generalised dermatoclasis, loss of neck definition, palpable bags, nasolabial fold and platysmal bands. And just going, we'll go through that one more time, but this time stick to areas. So from the top to the bottom, forehead and glabella creases, lateral brow ptosis, mm. eyelid dermatoclasis, orbital hollowing, lower lid laxity, palpable bags, nasojuggle groove, palpable malar groove, malar bags, mid-cheek groove, generalised dermatoclasis. Deepening of the nasolabial folds, perioral wrinkles, downturned commissures, labiomental creases, or marionette lines, jowls, loss of neck definition, and platysmal bands. Which features of facial aging are not addressed by a facelift?
the brow, nasolabial fold, periorbital lines, palpable bags, fine ritides are not addressed by a facelift. Describe the facelift incision. The facelift incision is a periauricular incision with extensions into the temple within the hairline or just the anterior hairline and then into the posterior hair via an arch over the mastoid then following posterior hairline for a few centimetres and then entering the hairline at an angle. What are the immediate complications of a facelift? The immediate complications of a facelift are bleeding, sensory nerve damage, and motor nerve injury. What percentage of patients get a hematoma? One to three percent of females get a hematoma, whereas it's seven to nine percent of males. What are the main risk factors for hematomas? The main risk factors for hematomas are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory use, hypertension, smoking, being male, as we've discussed, and if an open platysmoplasty has been performed. How long does it take for sensation to return after a facelift? It can take up to 12 months. Which is a commonest injured named nerve and what percentage of patients are affected by it? The greater auricular is the most commonly injured nerve in a facelift and affects around 7%. What percentage of facelift patients have persistent facial nerve dysfunction? Two point six percent. Which is the most commonly affected motor nerve? The marginal mandibular is the most commonly affected motor nerve, followed by the frontal and then the buccal. What are the early complications of facelifts? The early complications of facelift include skin necrosis, which occurs in about 1-3%, to and it's usually the post-auricular skin, and it's just managed conservatively. Infection, which affects less than 1%, parotid pseudocysts, and wound dehiscence. How does smoking affect the risk of skin necrosis?
smoking increases the risk by 12 times. What are the late complications of facelifts? The late complications of facelifts are asymmetry, troublesome scars, which can be hypertrophic, keloid, or distortions to the ear, or they could just be visible scars, or a step in the hairline, alopecia, which affects about 2% of patients, and skin pigment changes. How are facelift techniques classified? Broadly speaking, facelift techniques can be classified into subcutaneous, subsmas, and subperiosteal. What are the skin only facelift vectors? The skin only facelift vectors are cheek pull, which is posterior and superior and neck, which is just posterior. How is a traditional SMAS dissection performed? A traditional SMAS dissection is formed with an inverted L. There's a transverse incision along the inferior zygomatic arch, then a longitudinal periauricular incision that ex extends down along the sternocleidomastoid. Dissection is continued anterior edge of the parotid, and then the SMAS vector is posterior superior, and platysma is sutured onto the mastoid. What's the advantage of using SMAS in a dissection? It reduces jowling and improves the mandibular definition. How is the extended SMAS dissection different? In the extended SMAS section, the section it continues to the zygomaticus major and the transverse incision is along the upper zygomatic arch. What is the advantage of the extended SMAS dissection? The extended SMAS dissection provides additional malar augmentation. How's a smasectomy performed? In a smasectomy, a strip of smas is excised from the lateral canthus to the angle of the mandible, and the cut edges are then sutured together. How is a smas plication performed?
In smears plication, sutures are used in a similar location to that of a smearsectomy. What are the advantages of smears plication? Mm -hmm. Because the smears is not excised in the plication, the plication can actually augment the volume. There's usually a malar dog ear to help augment the malar region, whereas the inferior dog ear is still excised. What are the disadvantages of a smears plication? The disadvantage of a smears plication is that the facial nerve is at risk if the sutures are placed too deep. What is a max facelift? A max facelift is a minimal axis cranial suspension. How is a max facelift performed? In a max facelift, there is vertical incisions in the temporal and preauricular region, then two or three loops of purse string sutures from the deep temporal fascia are placed. So therefore, there is no true cranial suspension, even though it's called the minimal axis cranial suspension. What's the disadvantage of a max lift? Principal disadvantages of maxlift are it's blind insertion of the sutures so the facial nerve is at risk. Vectors are almost solely vertical with bunching around the lobule. How has the subperiosteal technique evolved? The subperiosteal technique was originally used with large craniofacial incisions, but it's now performed endoscopically. What's the disadvantage of the subperiosteal technique? The disadvantage is that it does not allow any of the skin excess to be addressed. How is the cheek fullness restored? Cheek fullness is restored by elevation of the malar fat pad. How can the tear trough be addressed? Tear trough hollowing can be addressed through lipofilling. How can the malar fat pad be accessed? There are three accesses for the malar fat pad, a temporal incision and endoscopic equipment, or a facelift incision, or a subsidiary incision. Finally, how can the neck be managed? 
principal techniques for addressing the aging signs in the neck are excision of platysmal bands, plication of the medial edges of platysma, draping the lateral edge of platysma to the mastoid, submental defatting by open submental incision or liposuction, and suspension of totic submandibular glands. What is the blood supply to the facelift flaps? The blood supply for the facelift flaps are branches of the external carotid, the main of which is the facial artery, which has paranasal perforators, perioral perforators and submental perforators, and also the transverse facial artery, which is a branch of the superficial temporal artery. What are the branches of the external carotid? The mnemonic, before I come to say what the actual arches are, is some anatomists like Fuzili, others prefer spaghetti meatballs. So the branches are the superior thyroid, the ascending pharyngeal, the lingual, the facial, the occipital, the postauricular, the superficial temporal and the maxillary. Where are the perforators that supply the facelift flap and therefore where is the medial limit of the flaps dissection? The perforators run in a line along the nasolabial fold and therefore this is the limit. What is the result of injury to the middle temporal artery? Where should the male and female brows sit? The male brow should sit along the superior orbital rim, whereas the female brow should arch above the rim with the apex in line with the lateral limbus. What are the signs of brow ptosis? <laughs> 